Welcome to Sales Cultures Redefined, where we transform people with purpose, income, and a better life. Here's your host, CEO of Sales Managed Solutions, Lance Cooper. We've got Gabrielle Boucher here, and I'm excited to listen to what she has to say about millennials. I'm going to introduce her in just a second. I'm Lance Cooper, president of Sales Managed Solutions, and we have been trying to change and helping to change the cultures of sales teams across America for about 30 years. And gosh, I've seen a lot of changes, a lot of changes in who's taking over the leadership and the reps that are coming in and the amount of turnover that we have now, especially during this great economy. And Gabrielle is an expert in the millennial workforce. She's a millennial herself. She's traveling everywhere. She's on TED Talks. She's got books that she's published. As a matter of fact, I have one right here, Keep Them Longer, How to Gain, Train, and Retain the Top Talent. I've just finished reading this book. I love it. Absolutely. Just think it's wonderful. And on the back of it, I also like this this triangle that says to see, involve, and grow, which kind of sums up a way of approaching millennials today and helping them grow. And I'm going to ask her some things about that book as we move along. Gabrielle, so great to have you here today. I know that you've been like on Fast Company and Bloomberg Radio and Fox Business and Glamour. Gosh, what's it like to be a world traveler talking about millennials? It's amazing. It's a lot of fun and requires a lot of caffeine. So uh, lots of frequent flyer miles, but I'm very glad to be jumping on today uh, with you to talk about millennials and how you can engage them better. Well, we're glad you're here. Let me let me just set you up with a scenario. We've got one big company with 4,000 salespeople. We've been working with them for about 20 years, and there's been just a bunch of changes but the number one change that I'm seeing is the uh, Generation X has kind of taken over the leadership reins and they're not quite knowing what to do with these millennials and the Generation Z coming after them. Sure. So I'd like to start there. If you were, if you had all these Generation X folks in the room here and look, they're looking at you and saying, man, we've got about a 70% turnover rate. You know, what, what are some of the first things that you would tell them? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the biggest questions I get asked a whole lot because you're looking at really one of the most diverse workplaces we've ever experienced. And so because of that, we've got you know young people coming in with their own certain set of expectations. We've got mm-hmm. a, a um, cast of managers who, frankly, most people manage and lead how they were managed and led. And uh, that can be a strength, but it can also be a big weakness. And so a lot of Gen Xers who bring us in are really looking at how do you make sure that you're not managing from that bias of experience and making sure that you're really leading with, um, with the other person in mind. And so what we teach is what we call generational empathy. So how do you start off by being curious about folks to say, Hey, you know what? You see the world differently than I do. And uh, I want to know why you see it differently, how you see it differently, rather than coming into a management scenario where you're getting frustrated because that next generation doesn't share your same priorities, your same communication preferences, and even uh, your same dress code preferences, for example. I mean, I have so many folks who call us up and they're like, Gabrielle, how do I get my millennial to like wear closed-toed shoes or wear shoes in the office, right? Uh, we're, we're dealing with a different generation here, folks. And it's, um, it's not impossible, but it is intentional, um, the approach you need to take when it comes to the next generation. 
Well, you know, you're talking about Generation X and how they need to be curious. And what I found is they're a little judgmental, but not just them, just like everybody's kind of a little judgmental when it comes to those other folks, you know? Absolutely. Aren't we all, though? I mean, all of us really do come into, I think, scenarios, relationships, workforces with a bias of seeing the world how you how you see it. And and I think that's one of the, the big things that we teach, especially when it comes to generational leadership, which we teach all the time, is how do you understand how other generations lead and want to be led? Rather than coming into a scenario saying, well, you know, I want to lead with structure and delegation and, um, you know, being able to have a a conversation one-on-one, that may be one type of leadership. But what we see particularly with millennials, uh, millennials want to lead from the middle. They're very collaborative. They're very democratic. Our favorite question is why, and we'll keep asking why. Um, But not to to bug you. I think that's one of the big things I, I try and clarify for folks. Millennials question not to challenge authority, but to understand the context of authority. And it's really important to realize when folks are coming at you um, with questions, when young, young employees are coming at you with questions, to see it as an opportunity for engagement rather than something that's going to kind of take you off track. Because, you know, I tell folks all the time, if you're millennial, stop asking questions. That's when you need to be concerned because that's probably when they're starting to look for another job. Well, the baby boomers, uh, of course, are going out of the workplace and Generation X is coming behind. And you know, because you're an expert, how they were brought up and what's different maybe in the way they approach millennials. Could you talk about that just a little bit? Sure. I mean, one of the biggest things that we found when it comes to how each generation leads is um, really two things. Number one, how they were parented. And number two, how they were managed in their first or their second job. So kind of that imprint that they received when they were first coming into the workforce. And so if you see, boomers were raised very structure-oriented by mm-hmm. military-era parents where there was a process and a procedure for everything. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I get it. We, we work with the, the Navy. I'm getting ready to go down and work with the Air Force on um, their senior leadership conference. I mean, we understand structure right. when it comes to kind of that process that's in place. But then you have Generation X, which was raised pretty much by themselves. They're known as the yeah. last generation, first generation really in American history where both parents were working. And so because of that, they had to figure out how to go to school and how to get a job and how to do a lot of things on their own. So they like delegating, but they like uh, being able to have that checklist that they can check stuff off. And and there's that independence that they're looking for in leadership. But millennials were raised very differently. We were raised by very democratic parents who wanted to know where we wanted to go on family vacation and, you know, what color we thought the family room should have been painted. (laughs) And other generations didn't have that where, you know, you kind of sat down and shut up and sat in the back of the station wagon and went where dad wanted you to go. It wasn't, you know, personal entertainment, the whole ride to Disney World. So just understanding kind of how different generations were raised, I think helps us come to the workplace with some more understanding and enlightenment into how we work and why we work. We have 20. 30 years ago, when you went to the bookstore, you couldn't find any books on leadership that had to do with mentoring. There were no words of mentoring on any of the front covers. You would find words like management, you know, and I noticed on the back of your book where it says to see them first. Yeah. And I don't think leaders get that. Uh, Millennials and maybe even boomers, you know, boomers, as you say, so rule structured, they think everybody should be loyal and follow what's said. And the Generation X, the latchkey kids, you know, just do it. I had to figure it out myself. 
you can do that too. So what what does it mean to you to see someone first mm-hmm. before yeah. you- it really does come down to being able to understand where every single person on your team is coming from. And one of the big things that we we teach in that book that you're holding, Keep Them Longer um, in, in our courses, is how do you help the people on your team understand why they're unique? If you understand human motivation at its, its most basic component is that mm-hmm. everyone wants to know that they're significant. I've never met anyone and I've spoken around the world and nearly every culture. I've never met anyone who's like, you know what, Gabrielle, I want to hate my job. You know, I, I want to get stuck in traffic. I want to get yelled at by my boss. I mean, yeah. no one says that. No. We all want to know that we matter. And so seeing your employees, whether they're 12 or 102, really starts with understanding that each person on your team is searching for significance. And it's your role and your responsibility to be able to connect that significance to what they get to do every day. And it can happen in just a few moments, or it can happen through mentoring over a lifetime. But I think it's really finding ways to help connect it in a really practical way. So a really easy way to do this. Um, one of my first bosses did this for me. I was, um, it was one of my first jobs and I was not enjoying my life. I was, you know, stuck in, in a, in a little room in the back and had to make cold calls all day long, which is pretty much torture if you're a millennial and, uh, if they even know what a cold call is. So I'm doing these cold calls. It wasn't what I thought it was going to be at all. But my boss really had a lot of perspective in that he stopped by my office, stopped in and said, Hey, Gabrielle, I just wanted to thank you for what you're doing. And I recognize this probably isn't what you thought it was going to be. But you helping your uh, customers and your clients helps us all serve our customers and our clients as well. And it was just a twinge of context that I needed to know that what I was doing was making a difference. You know, a lot of what you write about has to do with bringing purpose into people's lives. And I, I think um, millennials probably miss that being helicoptered or if they weren't helicoptered, a lot of them didn't have dads, or didn't grow up with their dads and having purpose or meaning in their lives and knowing how they fit in and really make a difference. Sure. Does it really happen? Does it? No. And I think that that is a really important kind of underlying component is uh, is the relationship with that my generation has had with older generations. I think partly because of the fact that over 57% of my generation come from families that their parents were divorced, myself included. We have a different relationship with our parents. And I think on one level, I think that that's caused some of our parents to want to be more friends than parents. And so there's been more um, you know, lackadaisical feedback, so to speak. There's that trophy generation mantra that so many folks like to sign my generation. And I think in all of that, it's really, it, it has certainly affected how my generation is coming into the workforce and even the relationships that we want to have with, with folks. I, I have folks calling me all the time saying, Gabrielle, I've got this millennial in my office. You know, she's calling me by my first name. She's putting her feet up on my desk. She wants to hang out on the weekends. What do I do? <laughs> right? Because in her generation, respect was distance. But for my generation, respect is proximity. And so the more time we get to spend with you and the more personal we, we get to be with you, the more authentic and vulnerable we see you, the more we respect you, which is a different leadership model than many um, in older yes. generations have been modeled. Yes. yes. You know, you see those changes in a lot of places. Take football that's going on right now. University of Tennessee has an old coach called Naylan that was from the, the war days and mm-hmm. the guys just did what he said. But today... You take Dabo over at Clemson, what you're saying is happening with him 
those guys collaborate and get in his office during the day just to be around him. Mm -hmm. And he allows that knowing he's kind of feeling a need that they didn't have when they were growing up. And then when he demands excellence from them on the field, they see him as more than that top down kind of guy, but they, they respect him, but, but they really need that closer connection or feedback a lot. And, and you mentioned, I remember a webinar you did recently, you talked about the amount of feedback that you need to give millennials during the week. Could you talk some about that in your red light, yellow light? Uh, sure. Yeah. It, it's a little shocking, I think, for folks. It uh, is. Because, uh, so we we run a research firm. I, I started my career off as a researcher and trying kind of poking and prodding and understanding why millennials are the way that they are. But although I research, I, I hate theory. And so I love yeah. um, helping people take what it is we're talking about and turn it around and use it immediately. So one of those things is feedback. So working with a, one client of ours, we actually found that millennials expect feedback four times a week, Wow! which if you have a job, you're thinking, <laughs> there's no way I'm going to have time to sit down, go over, yeah. you know, fill out paperwork, sit down with my employee, make sure they're comfortable, get them a coffee, right? And in all of that, I, I think that there's a conversation that needs to be had about what is feedback. And for my generation, feedback is a like or a share. And, and so you have to keep in mind my generation wants instant feedback because we're so used to that constant connection with knowing I can post something on my social media yeah. Yeah. and know what, how well it's doing, but I can work for you for a year and not get feedback about how I can improve. So there's an expectation piece on feedback, um, but also to the type of feedback. It ha has nothing to do with paperwork. We hate paperwork probably more than you guys. And, uh, and it's, not, it's not necessarily a meeting either. It's very specific. So. Um, yeah, so we teach the stoplight approach to how do you get feedback. So red, stop doing this and why. So I need you to stop coming in late because when you come in late, you know, the rest of the team has to pick up the slack and they're really starting to, to not take you seriously in your work. All right, great. Yellow light means, you know, you're doing a good job, but improve on this. So give a specific example of maybe how they sent an email and didn't you spell check and how that affects how people see them. And then green is keep doing this. You're doing an awesome job. I want you to continue doing this with clients, a specific thing, and, and you're really impressing everybody and we really see a lot of potential in you. Wow. And it's a really simple, really useful tool to be it able is. to take and use with your team rather than be drowning in paperwork, <laughs> um, but to actually give them the information that they need to do their job well. That is a really cool way to think about it. I, I like that a lot, that model. Uh, you were talking about the instant feedback that they need today. What I've been finding, and you helped me out with this, sales is so goal-oriented, mm -hmm. it's so results-oriented, and it's short-term results, but it has long-term income implications. And what we're finding is a lot of the reps today, they really haven't been taught about long-term thinking or goals down the road or the way ambition is tied to suffering now and working through setbacks, and they're wanting things right this second because probably of everything you just said, all the feedback, the Instagrams and the updates that they get every day. So how would you attach someone to a long-term goal and get them thinking about down the road and what to do with their income? And I know one more thing, you also talk about holistic training and how training mm -hmm. needs to have more implications than just how to sell something, but perhaps is wider and broader. So how does all that go together that they can look further and down the road and we can train in a way that they'll appreciate? Yeah. Yeah, the, the training piece of it is so incredibly important. One of the key things that millennials expect when they come into work for you is to be trained for their first job at their first job. 
And that right there is a mental shift for a lot of leaders where they're thinking, well, I hired you to do the job. I don't need you to train you to do the job as well. But we've got a a generation that has an expectation that, um, that they're going to be continually improving as people and as employees. And so what we teach a lot um, is the importance of whole person training because there's so much research that's out there, whether it's having, you know, better employees come from people who have better relationships, better marriages, better financial yeah. pictures, yeah. Um, better commutes, better, better um, health goals. And so if you realize that the people in your team are more than just output factories, but they're individual people. You yourself know that you're not going to perform as well if you didn't have a good night's sleep or if you're worried about whether or not you're going to be able to pay off that debt or, you know, concerned about uh, you had a fight with your spouse on your way into work. Yeah. Know that as humans, we're, we're not just, um, you know, not just people who can kind of turn off and turn off certain parts of their life. So that aspect of it, I think it is really important. But in that is, and how do you teach a generation how to set goals? And that's one of the things that we love doing with, with folks is being able to help them understand the importance of goal setting and more than just saying, Hey, you know, this is where I want to be in five years, but understanding why they want to be there. It's really, really important. So to kind of your, your first, first question in a very, very practical way, because we work with sales teams as well. We've got a generation who's got a short term mindset that wants long term results. And so it's helping them understand those micro goals. So how do they get to that 50% or that 75% of where they need to be? And what does that look like? And so visualization works really, really well. So, okay, great. Why don't you explain to me what it's going to feel like when you get to 50% of your goal? How are you going to feel? Are are you going to be anxious? Are you going to be excited? What, What part of your day do you think you're going to have to adjust or change to get yourself there? Giving them some opportunity to have buy-in into the result is going to be really important as well. So if you consider how millennials do think very short-term because we're a microwave generation, everything takes you know seconds, if not minutes. And so because of that, you have to create um, goals and strategies that are going to fulfill the short-term nature of our generation and tie that to long-term results. Because if you're com- coming in to tell a millennial, it's going to take you five years before you get promoted. They're going to move on in that time frame because it's not because we're you know short attention span and bored and goldfish and all of that. <laughs> it's because the world around us has has conditioned us to expect yeah. things to move every six months. So my very practical piece of advice is if you don't have a metric for them to work for in six months, you're going to lose that millennial in those six months. Say that again. Yeah. So if you're not going to have a goal for them to work towards in six months, you're not going to have a millennial to keep it. Wow. Wow. You know, some of the things you're talking about are such a shift of thinking for uh, older, older folks. You know, I I had a, a sales process called class that I taught how to sell with class. And recently I made a big change as a result of reading the things you're talking about. And now I call it how to sell in a way that people love you. Hmm. And sell with class, which is still process oriented, but it causes them to think wider and deeper about how listening skills affect them at home and and in different places with their children and with customers on the floor and just how to process to sell results. And I could not believe how they reacted to that. It was very positive. I mean, there was all kinds of stories of how people were getting better as a result of looking at this at a more transformational level across their life and not just, we're going to go sell something today, but these, these listening skills were stretching. Tell me, tell me why this worked because I kind of just backed into it. Does that make sense? 
brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. And, wow. and it's true that it works for millennials and it works for everybody else. I mean, that's why we wrote Keep Them Longer is because we've been working with some of the biggest brands, you know, like Comcast and Expedia yeah. and, and Microsoft on helping them engage millennials. And they came yeah. back to us and they said, this works for everybody else. And we're like, we know, don't tell anybody. <laughs> yeah, you're right. So we wrote this book, Keep Them Longer to focus on how do you engage everybody? Because it works because if you help someone do their job better and live their life better, they're going to be loyal to you forever because they're going to realize that you care about them as a whole person. You're not just worried about making sure that they hit their numbers. You're worried about the fact that they're going to live their life in a more ethical way, in a way that they're experiencing the results. And um, and kind of in our line of work, we, we talk about giving an aspirin. Like if you go to the doctor and they're going to give you an aspirin, it's going to give you some immediate relief. You're going to immediately feel better. But you need to make sure that after that aspirin wears off, you're still getting them towards their goal, whatever that needs to be. And so creating a program that gives someone immediate relief, they see, oh my gosh, you know, I, I see an immediate impact that I can use this with my spouse or my friends or my neighbors or my kids. Then the more they practice it, the more they're going to do it at work. And it's going to be a habit that they're not going to have to turn off and turn on when they walk into the office. It's going to be a part of who they are. And that's ultimately how you get people to stick around longer. You know, I just love when you talk about transformation and transformational leadership and thinking in a transformational way about the people that are working for you. And some of the training that you suggest is done now, I would think was nowhere near anybody's mind 10 or 15 years ago. So can you give some practical suggestions on the way people are training individuals so that it's more of a holistic experience inside a company and not just not just something directly attached to their job right now. Some of the things that people are doing out there, please. Yeah, it's it, there's some really great examples out there. In the book, we actually interviewed Dom Perry, who is one of the chief people officers over at Chili's. So they're owned by Brinker, yeah. um, Chili's, Maggiano's. And um, we went to them because they have industry low turnover. So you're looking at folks who are line cooks and hostesses and waiters. And they... Wow they went in about 10 years ago and realized we need to start looking at our people differently because they said, well, why don't people show up for work? Why do we have no shows? I mean, ghosting is a big thing with millennials these days mm -hmm. where they'll accept a job and not show mm -hmm. up or right. they'll, you know, take a lunch break and not come back yep. uh, because they're, it's easy to swipe left or right when it comes to a date. So sometimes ah. folks are taking that into the job market as well. Uh -huh. So the company essentially said, how do we get people to stick around and, and why are they leaving? And they found, that people were having a hard time learning English or with their personal finances or commuting to work. And so some very practical things that they did was a lot of what we talk about in the book is this whole person training. So they started an ESL program for folks to be able to learn English. Yeah. Uh, they learned, um, they started offering personal financial programs to help people get out of debt. So they felt more secure, even if it did mean they were going to move on faster. They started really looking at how do we make sure folks are healthy, mind, body, soul, spirit, and looking at the multidimensional aspects of who their employees are. Then they started, one of my favorite parts is they started gamifying. So the last year, they spent taking all of their training and turning it into a video game. And we've got friends who create this for companies all the time that we work with. And it's incredible because if you realize that millennials have played video games for most of our lives, if you want to get a millennial to learn something, turn it into a game. So they started gamifying everything from their compliance to sexual harassment, to um, sales strategies, to even interacting with surly customers. And so they've really taken an out-of-the-box approach and they've seen really incredible results that they've 
continue to go sky high when it comes to their engagement, to their um, customer engagement, their employee engagement, and beyond. Well, we've got just a few minutes left, and I think what I'd like for you to share with us are some of the things that get in the way of folks making this transformation to a new style of leadership and the discovery and the awareness necessary for the generations to do well. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the blockades that you see in leadership? Because I know you see them when you go out there in the companies that things just get in the way of them being able to see what you're trying to teach them. Sure. Yeah. There's really three big mindset shifts that we teach. Uh, number one is to stop saying, wait your turn. We see it a lot with leaders who are saying, well, it took me you know, X amount of years for me to get here, so it should take you 12 years to get here. Uh, what we didn't really quite get time to talk about today is just the power shift in the handoff that's going on. That okay. Gen X leadership um, that we were talking about is one third the size of the baby boomer generation. So we've got this shift that we're in the middle of that as boomers begin to retire and move on, Gen X is then taking those leadership positions, but there aren't enough Gen Xers to take those leadership positions. So we're going to start seeing more millennials, people my age, get pulled up to leadership positions that we may not be ready for. So we simply can't go into this new season saying, you have to wait your turn. The second big shift is we need to stop saying, that's how we've always done it. I know it's tempting, especially when someone comes into your office and is asking you why for the seventh time. But we have to realize that we're in a new economy with new technology, with a new workforce, and the world is changing. And, and in order to survive and even thrive, we all have to come into the workplace with a level of curiosity to say, well, maybe that isn't right. And be secure in all of our decisions to be open to other input from other folks. And the third big shift is to stop projecting our own experiences on other generations. This is true for my generation. It is for your generation. We all need to come in with that generational empathy I've been talking about to say, well, sure, maybe I see the world in a different way than you do. So let's start to be more curious about one another rather than to say, well, this is how I would do it. So that's how you should do it. And because you do it differently, you do it wrong. Well, that's certainly not the case either. And so I think those are the three big shifts that leaders in my generation, all of us are going to have to make. Because when it comes to this discussion we're having right now, it's not all about how leaders can change for millennials or how millennials have to change to fit into this modern workforce. It's how do all of us learn from one another and and focus on what we all bring together, focus on those strengths and uh, create a better workforce because of it. Well, I want to thank you a whole bunch for using your time and coming on here with us today. Uh, Several weeks ago, there was a there was a quote in The Wall Street Journal about the generation coming along and, and they talked about them being entitled and and not having a good work ethic. And and the quote went on and on And at the end of it. Twisted around to say this was the uh, this was a real quote from the 1900s about the greatest generation of all time, <laughs> and so there was a lot of uh, uh, there was a lot of condemnation upon the generation coming along that would help us take out a man who was doing bad things in the world, and they rose to the occasion. Now, I know in your uh, TED talk you talk about how the millennials they're going to do the same thing. They're going to be a great generation. We just need to see their needs help them with those needs and uh, and change what we're doing in order to get through to them. And, and so they can be mentored. They've not had that or they've had it in, a, as you say, in a helicopter way. And gosh, just to have you around and to be able to read your book and uh, to learn from you is just a, just a godsend. Thanks so much, Gabrielle. We really appreciate your time here with us today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. 
You have just listened to Sales Cultures Redefined. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Google Play, and we'll see you at the next episode.